Are you ready for friends that you can say anything to? We got you. I'm Wendy, founder of Bloom Wellness. And I'm Sin, Liberation Life Coach, and you're listening to Truth Tuesday, Liberation Through Radical Honesty. Welcome to Truth Tuesday. Today we're going to talk about boundaries. What is a boundary? What is its purpose? And we're going to identify different types of boundaries. Some of the things we might talk about are, or we're going to focus on, I guess, is more like work and relationship boundaries because we have a limited amount of time. I wanted to um, open up the space to talk about um, what boundaries are. Uh, I don't think that I would have been able to set boundaries before even knowing what a boundary was or even that it existed. I have a very, very significant, pivotal moment in my journey that completely shifted my perspective on boundaries. And I've talked about it so many different times on my um, IG platform. So if, you know, if anyone um, follows me there, they're going to be very familiar with the story. But I started therapy back in January of 2017. That's when my journey started shortly after my breakup with my ex-husband and uh i must have been in therapy for i want to say like a year at least um before we even got to the place where my therapist said you need to set more boundaries with your family and i'm like that okay clearly there's a cultural difference because you don't get it whatever you're saying it's not real. It's not valid. It's not valid. Maybe that's what you do where you come from, and that's how your culture handles things, but not mine. Mm-hmm. Not really realizing that boundaries has nothing to do with culture right. in that moment. And boundaries has everything to do with healing. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what you look like, what your skin color is like, what culture you are identify with, everyone has the right to set and enforce boundaries for their well-being and their mental health. Because ultimately, that is what boundaries are there for. Absolutely. And so I didn't really understand that when I started my journey because for me, um, I equated setting boundaries with being disloyal to my family. I know. I know that feeling. I know you do. And that's why it was so hard to dismantle that belief. It took me so much. It actually caused the very like one of the very first panic attacks that I had. That's how deeply embedded that belief was in me. That there's no reality that existed where I could set a boundary and at the same time be viewed or perceived as being part of the family or being loved or being accepted mm-hmm. and feeling like I belong. Right. So there is so much there, right? And we can unpack that, all of that, as we um, continue this conversation. But mm-hmm. um, for me, uh, family was a big sort of uh, turning point in learning how to set my boundaries. And then once I learned it with my family, I was able to start practicing setting them in the workplace, which is like a whole other field because then you're dealing with figures of authority, and we can get into like colonialism and capitalism, but we don't have to. Um, but really, that's where it really it can go down that path, right? When mm-hmm. you don't want to say no because of the hierarchy or because of the difference in power. Right. 
and you've been conditioned to stay in your place and not say no like you just do what you're told and all of it is connected right and that's why i think it's so important that we're having this conversation today all the patriarchy right the patriarchy (laughs) yay so much fun no but it's it's interesting because you're talking about I think it's the same thing for me, right? Um, I didn't know how to say no because saying no to my family meant or they would act as if they were perceiving it as, yeah, that I wasn't being loyal, that I didn't love them, mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't showing up for them, that I wasn't choosing them. Oof, yeah. Mm-hmm. So being in those spaces where you have to kind of surrender or not even surrender, I wouldn't say surrender, you have to quit on yourself you have to give yourself up you have to abandon yourself to show loyalty Mm -hmm. so there's this conditional love right if you show up for this birthday party if you show up to this funeral if you do these things that means that you're a good family member Mm -hmm. if you don't then it's kind of like don't ask me for anything i'm not talking to you i am not showing you any affection don't call me if you need anything because now I'm going to punish you. And I'm going to teach you what it feels like not to have me as part of your life. So when you are conditioned to do things based on fear of losing the affection of your mother and your father and extended family, mm-hmm. you end up doing a lot of things that you don't necessarily want to do. It's not because I want to be there. I'm showing up because I don't feel that I have a choice. Because I'm afraid to lose the only thing that I have. And I want to be part of the family. Mm -hmm. And it's like me abandoning myself means I'm trading myself in for inclusivity, right? I'm going to be part of this if I let go of myself. But at some point, that becomes really hurtful and painful. And it's difficult to live with yourself when you're not making choices from a place that's rooted in love. I want to show up for people because I love them. I don't want to manipulate you mm-hmm. into showing up for me right. because you don't have a choice or because I'm going to punish you. So I'm very careful about the way that I, you know, set conditions or if I'm going to make a condition like, no, 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 take that back. People have options. I want to give everyone their free will. It's like, do you want to show up for me? Do you want to come to this thing? If, for example, I'm going to have a retreat, I'm hosting a retreat, and you're a close friend of mine and you can't make it to that, I'm not going to be hurt because you can't support me at this time. I'm not friends with you so that you can come to my events. I'm not friends with you so that you can, you know, support me financially. I'm not friends with you so that you can come to whatever I'm doing, my birthday parties or whatever it is. That is not why I'm your friend. There's something else. There's a deeper connection. If you can't make it, you can't make it. That's okay. It's understandable. When you're ready and you're open, I'm ready and I'm open to receive that. Mm-hmm. So there's a different kind of exchange because for me, it's so much more valuable to allow people to make their own choices. And in family, that's not always taught. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about how hard it is because I think in the beginning when I started setting boundaries, um, oh Lord, a therapist also, I can't even tell you what year it was now, told me the same thing. It said, you know, you're... It was like, you're going through, you have PTSD, it's complex PTSD, and this is what's going on with you. And at that moment, then it's like, oh, this is why, I was connecting the dots. This is why X, Y, and Z is happening. And at that point, she said, you need to distance yourself from your family. It's not because they're bad people, but they're not assisting you 
and are supporting you in your your healing. Right. So I did have to draw the line because I was abandoning myself. I wasn't showing up for myself so that I can show up for them. Sometimes unknowingly, like some people do these things unknowingly because that's the way they've been conditioned. Right. So it's really important that we address these things because um, I'm not going to sit here and be upset with my mom because this is what she did to me. She Mm -hmm. didn't do anything to me. She might not be aware of it. Mm -hmm. I still Mm -hmm. love her. Yeah. Um, I still have to set my boundaries and it's hard for her to respect those boundaries because Mm -hmm. to her it means something different. She's assigning meaning to it. But I cannot control the way that she receives um, this information. That's really on her. So Mm -hmm. I try to not educate her but explain to her, I love you. I'm still showing up. I'm not going to be resentful and then, you know, be angry at her or kind of like match her energy. Mm -hmm. I still love you. I'm still going to come when I want to come. Right. But explain to her, if you invite me to do something... I have a choice and and that's yeah. hard for them to understand yeah no yeah um, a lot of that sounds familiar for me as well when I think of boundaries I think of um, before a boundary is set like let's say you and me for example um, if if let's say we have been friends for 10 years and then all of a sudden one of us um, goes through like a, a growth spurt and suddenly the relationship is a little off, then one of us is gonna want to set a boundary, right? And for me, what what a boundary does is, okay, the experience that I've had in this relationship with you, this friendship has been great, but something has shifted and I don't know what it is, but I do know that I wanna experience something different with you. So I'm gonna set a boundary. That's how I, I um, how boundaries like operate for me so and so if you want to continue doing this dance with me can you meet me at the boundary that i set up for us so that we can have a better healthier uh relationship right so we can create a new different experience that's different than the one that was filled with like let's say arguing or going back and forth not getting anywhere not hearing each other even toxic right like or some gossip. relationships yeah gossiping whatever whatever it is and i'm not saying that was with, with you and right, i, I right. think you and i have had an amazingly positive and healthy friendship um but there a lot of the relationships that you and i have had outside of our friendship have shown us the contrast right of people yes. not being able to set their boundaries us becoming aware of the moments when we don't set ours and then the resistance to those boundaries. And I think part of it is because it is a shift in a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes it's really hard. And that's why I love saying the word truth. Like I drop that word all the time. And it's because truth is embedded in reality. Mm-hmm. So the minute that I'm proposing a different reality to you, you're going to be like, no, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, it is right now, but we can have a different truth. Mm-hmm. So let me give you this boundary to mm-hmm. show you this. And when I think of this, I think of um, specifically like when I had my mental health um, challenges that I didn't know I was going through, like struggling with my mental health when I was married. And um, I would go over to my ex-husband's like family gatherings and they're very traditional, um, you know, Mexican family. And if I was not in the mood because I was just feeling down or I was not feeling social or I just wanted to retreat, Um, And like if we were spending the weekend there, I'd excuse myself to be in my room, but I would feel this pressure 
mm-hmm. that oh Cynthia doesn't want to engage with us she, like does she think she's better than us or like what like did we do something wrong and they internalized all of it and that's the part that makes boundaries really difficult because I'm not doing it because of you mm-hmm. I'm doing it because honestly I didn't even know why I wanted to retreat all I knew is that I didn't want to be where everybody else was at I wanted to go be by myself and at that point I didn't know what it was now many many years later I know what it was and it's a lot of the the um comments that were made that are so subtle mm-hmm. <laughs> that back then they're so right. normalized you don't you don't know it but then you grow mm-hmm. and then you're like Oh, that was very condes- condensating or condescending. Condescending, thank right. you. Or oh, that was like the patriarchy is showing up. Mm-hmm. Or oh, like those values are not aligned with me. But machismo, you don't machismo, right? right? Yeah. Toxic masculinity, but you don't know it then. You just feel it, mm-hmm. and and so that's why a lot, especially a lot of people within our community, a lot of them are being called to set boundaries right now, and it's so challenging because it confuses. It's testing them in a way that they've never been tested before. Like, we're literally changing, like, the family dynamics of, uh, like, a cultural system that has been going on for so many generations. Right. That's a huge, huge deal. And, of course, there's going to be a lot of resistance. And I think that's really important to, to bring to light because when people are, are going to hear, like, oh, you need to set a boundary, and... If they're, if, if they're conflicted, like, that's a normal part of the process. But also, too, you know, what I'm thinking right now is, um, let's bring this to light, right? If I want to set a boundary with you, it's because I love you and I want you to be part of my life. Right, exactly. And so people miss that point. If I want you to be part of my life, I'm setting this boundary because I want to have a healthy relationship with right. you. So it's not because, hey, I don't want you to be part of my life, so I'm just wasting my time. No, this is how I'm investing because I want to have something better with you and I want right. to co-create with you and I want you to be part of my life. So let's let's do this. And if you mm-hmm. have a boundary, I also want to respect it. Right. Exactly. And to go back to the example of like my, my ex-in-laws, if I would not have set those boundaries, that version of sin would have engaged in some really nasty arguments with my father-in-law because he triggered me a lot back then so much and I would stand my inner masculine would come up and be like no not today mm-hmm. you know and and so then I'd be like I don't want to deal with this so I would retreat but it, it the way that it looked right it mm-hmm. looked like Cynthia was the one that Always. had right mm-hmm. she, tiene sus, sus, she's on her mood or she's you know whatever something's wrong with her something's wrong with me because I'm the one that's isolating myself from the group no, it's because, oh gosh, this brings up so much for me. But it's it's because the way that you're viewed, right? Because you're not you're not willing to go along with whatever the hell's going on. Exactly. And for me, it was my ex-sister-in-law, right? She kind of like, she was a person that was always really disrespectful. She would say mean things under her breath. But everybody would excuse her behavior because she is just that way. She That's the way she is. I'm thinking like, no, but okay, so what if this is the way that I am? That's not okay. But she would push the buttons and I'm supposed to just ignore it. She's being offensive, disrespectful in so many different ways. And I'm just like, this is not okay. But nobody would step in to like talk to her about it or say anything about it. Because again, 
it was always this like this is just the way that she is so all these people in our families it's like we we're so tolerant of their behavior because inherently they're assholes i guess for lack of a better word it's like oh this is who you are oh great so you embrace the label and i'll go ahead and you know i will also co-sign this is who you are great this is amazing so you can't do any better i don't expect better from you so you keep on with your poor behavior and everyone else will just applaud you're amazing keep on being a jerk this is who you are that's not okay and it's it's like people don't recognize that this this right here it's like you are enabling these people you enable them to Mm -hmm. continue these bad behaviors and bad patterns and when you say no, of course they're going to feel the pushback because for so long everyone else yeah. is permitting it. They're yeah. allowing it. This is okay. This is who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, and we love you the way that you are here. But it's like, I I want people that love me, that want me to be better. Yeah. And better doesn't mean, you know, it's like, I'm not going to be offensive because if it's rooted in love and in truth, I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm not trying to be offensive. But right. if I do something hurtful and you love me, Mm-hmm. family friend I want you to tell me I right. want you to be comfortable enough to call it out and say the thing but most people mm-hmm. they don't do that again we excuse it we enable them it's like this is who they are you know she's whatever years old and she's always been this way right. and why don't we call it out again fear yeah and you know it's like you don't want to abandon these people you don't want to you want to include them as part of the family you don't mm-hmm. want them to start to stop talking to you um in a lot of instances, I noticed that people put up with, you know, especially grandparents, they put up with behaviors because they don't want to lose, you know, the ability to see their grandchildren mm-hmm. because people, we are people, we're manipulative. And if you're not an awareness of that, then it's like, I've, I've seen so many people use their children as pawns in these games. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, well, if you're not going to let me act the way that I act, yeah, you don't get to see my kid. And that's a punishment. Right. I'm like, that's not cool. It's not right. It's never going to be right. But I, I see it done all the time. And it's like, to get away with murder, this is what I do. It's yeah. like, if you reject me as I am, it's like, yeah. no. Yeah. No, be accountable for your shit. Like, let us know this is who you are. This is how you're acting. This is how you're coming off. You're being offensive. Yeah. You're being hurtful. You're being disrespectful. How would you like it if someone treated you that way? Right. In that moment of awareness where, again, it's, if we, we take it a step back, Anything we do to others, we're doing to ourselves. And, and our families don't see us as one. Right. So it's like, if I call you a name, I'm calling myself a name. If I'm being disrespectful to your boundaries, I'm being disrespectful to my boundaries. Exactly. But we don't see it that way. We just see it right. as like, this is personal. You don't love me. You don't want to be around me. You don't want to hang out with me. And that's right. not the case at all. We're also not immune to have right. have learned and adapted to those behaviors either, right? Right. So just because we're becoming aware of it and we're starting calling it calling it out, it doesn't mean that we didn't also learn it. Like we're we're calling it out because we also were starting to embody that, mm-hmm. and then we're like, and then we're going out into the real world, and there's consequences for those behaviors, and that's when we're like, oh shit, it's not okay to to act a certain way without consequences because people are setting boundaries with me, mm-hmm. and so then you come back. And then you're like, okay, I, I'm not going to put up with that either because I just learned that abuse is not okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stop that. And then everybody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You're disrupting the status quo. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. But 
unless you break out of those um, those cultural groups or systems, and anything can be culture. It doesn't have to be necessarily uh, rooted in ethnicity or nationality, like even a work culture, right? Right. Or a friend's culture or school culture, whatever. Um, but unless you break out of those, you're not going to see the contrast and you're not going to know that there's some, there's a different way to do things and you're not going to know that there needs to be a boundary in order to, to, um, adapt to an, either a new environment or to adapt new, new skills, new tools that are going to help you, you know, in an, because the truth is that these are all, um, behaviors as toxic as they are like as an as an evolutionary anthropologist like that's where my mind goes is these behaviors were serving us otherwise we would never have adapted to them they were helping us survive and that's where the healing for our community lies in no shaming no judging let's just accept that we needed these tools we did right to survive because if we're not alive there's nothing to heal right right so we needed it but now that we know better Let's do better. And, and How can we do better? And let's talk about when it was useful, right? When yeah. it was useful is when, for some of us, when our parents came from a different country where, or when you worked on a farm and you had to stick together and show up so that we can survive. Right. Yes, it was useful. So it's like throwing out these old, you know, limiting belief systems right. that no longer serve us. We don't need that anymore. We've, exactly. We've been, uh, we've been to school. We've done other things or we've decided to become entrepreneurs. Whatever it is, whatever path you're taking on now, you're not, at the, you're not working the farm anymore. Right. So does your mom really need uh, extra hands? No. Right. This is now it's like, but they're applying it to everything. Yeah. So it's like, do you really need me at the party? No. Right. You know, so, and they get so upset because you don't go to these things and it's so, so important. And. I'm like, I don't understand. I do want to spend time with my family, but they'll say things to you to shame you and to make you feel a certain way, right? It'll be like, oh, life is short. You're going to regret this when I die. And you're just like, hold up. Did you have a diagnosis that I don't know about? Because, bro, like, let me know. But it's not that I'm like ignoring you or avoiding you. But if you're trying to guilt me into hanging out with you the way that I am with my resistance, I'm not going to, if I'm trying to, if you're trying to force me, I'm not going to do it just because it doesn't feel good. I want to have the freedom to make a choice. Right. And there's so many things in our society and day-to-day life that that are forced upon us that if I can have any little bit of a choice in anything that I do, I'll take that. Yeah. But I want to be, I want to have buy-in into things that I do. Exactly. And the same thing with like my friendships, right? Or any kind of relationship. I want the buy-in from the other party. Yeah. I want you to believe in the friendship and I want you to step into it. I don't want to be like, hey, so I'm going to do all the work and just show up and we're cool. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the other way, it's like, well, you do everything for me and I'll just be there and then we're best friends. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. So yeah. we need to reciprocate a lot of these energies and we don't take that into consideration, but it did serve us at some point, like a lot of other things did, and mm-hmm. they no longer serve us. Right. So if we can acknowledge that, again, without shame, it's like, I know where this adaptation, yeah, you know, was useful, exactly. but right now at this moment, I mean, it doesn't help anybody really because even in the workplace, right? There's so many of us that have experienced uh, just disruptions within our family lives because people, work culture um, is so demanding, especially of men. Mm-hmm. 
And men are so conflicted because they they see their worth and their value and and how much they can provide a family and their income and all these things. So they essentially abandon their families to be at work because that's what they feel is where they bring the value, right? And what happens? Divorce. Yeah. And I, exper- I experienced that as, because like I have mentioned, like I was very much in my masculine energy. Right. I experienced that. Even though I'm a woman and I identify as a female and a woman, I brought the same energy as most men that put their family second. I did the same thing. So I, I, I know a little bit about that pressure that you feel like that you have to hustle, you have to secure the bag, you have to build generational wealth, you have to work a million hours. Like I get it. But let's talk about that. How does that feel? It didn't feel good. I know. It didn't feel good having to choose between, you know, this job that didn't really care for me and raising my kids. And and it was so conflicting for me because I was also battling old narratives that told me, no, be doing housework and raising kids, there's no value to it because where I grew up, we were not valued. Mm-hmm. And most women now will say, like, we, we, we should be getting paid. You know, for maternity leave, for being stay-at-home moms. Like, we need more support. Like, this is where the value is, Mm -hmm. right? But that's those are all the narratives that I had to sift through and fight through for the past 20 years because it started with, I'm never going to have kids because I see what happens to moms when they become moms. Mm -hmm. I don't want want that for me. And then at some point, I was in a good enough place in my life where I'm like, okay, I think I can do it, so I'm going to have kids. And then all those storylines came up again. And it was hard because I'm like, no, I want my career. I, I have something to prove, mm-hmm. right? I have something to prove. There, I'm not worthy unless I have this degree, unless I have this money, this retirement fund. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I was conditioned to believe growing up. Mm-hmm. And there's been a shift now. Right. I think it's shifting. There's so much going on right now energetically in the collective. But but that's where we where I was. You know, a, lot dec- of us. a lot of us were like decades ago. Yeah. And it's hard because it's like once you're impacted by by this culture, mm-hmm. then you really see how it's impacting like so many kids, right? They're growing up without their fathers or a father figure and there's so much like hostility mm-hmm. because of it because people become resentful and they're angry. They can't identify their feelings. They don't know their true value. Mm-hmm. And that all stems from going back to these spaces and family and putting so much pressure on the family. Mm-hmm. Like you, if you want to be a good man, be a good provider. And you just, you want to be a good woman, just be quiet and don't say the thing, just go along with it. Mm -hmm. And so we continue to kind of like reproduce the same kind of family systems, even though, like I said, they're not serving us anymore. Right. They're not. And it's, it's, I mean, for me, it's awful to watch. The kids are suffering. The parents are suffering. Like everyone is like, there's so much wounding coming up, but for me, I think the, the empowering part is, is setting the boundary because at this point, I'm like, okay, yeah, if this to. is not working out for me, and, and you've seen some of these like, uh, you know, reels and, and TikToks, if it is not a fuck yes, it is a fuck no. So <laughs> if I'm not all in, then I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to half-ass anything anymore. And that includes my family. So it's like, if I want to be here, I want to be here wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And I do love them. It doesn't matter. If, it doesn't matter what they do at this point yeah. in my life. I'm. Uh, I feel like I just get to bear witness to so many different things and the unfolding of things in front of me. But it's not my job to point it out to them and say like, "Hey, like yeah. get it together, set your boundaries." Maybe I'll talk to some of my friends if I feel like they're in awareness mm-hmm. and they're open to it. 
we might have a conversation. All right, guys, so we've been going on for a minute, so we're going to cut this conversation in half, and there will be a part two. We'll see you next week.